they have these um the the Ohio distillery passports and stuff, but they kind of expand outside of Northeast Ohio. So we're looking at the ones kind of in our region and seeing how many we can hit in the year. If you decide to do the whole state, you get a certain number of points for each place you hit and you can trade them for t-shirts. And and then Maker, is that more of a bar concept? or is Maker has a bar as a centerpiece, but it really is a fine dining restaurant. Okay. So it's going to have the centerpiece is an 18-seat bar with a emerald crystal Yeah, it chandelier. looks beautiful. It is incredible. It is sold out, I want to say, at least five of the last six years. Uh, it just goes like gangbusters. It's really cool. There's going to be 60 breweries that offer, that offer about... I would say on average anywhere from two to four different beers at this event. Wow. So you, you pay one. I'm Josh Duke. And I'm Alex Darris. And you're either watching or listening to Dine, Drink, Clean, the podcast where each and every week we're going to be joined by Cleveland.com's best and brightest food experts, insiders, and influencers talking all the latest and greatest about the Cleveland food scene. What are we talking about today, Alex? Yeah, so today we're going to be joined by Paris Wolf. She and I have been starting a little distillery project, um, exploring some of the distilleries in Northeast Ohio, getting the vibe, learning about the products and stuff. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, we're going to learn also from Paris about the two new restaurants in the renovated Hotel Cleveland downtown. Very exciting stuff going on in Public Square. And then Mark Bonus going to join us to give us a lowdown on Winter Warmer Fest for all the craft beer fans. So very exciting. Can't wait to hear about that. Hi, Paris. Thank you for joining Hi, us. Josh. <laughs> hey. Yeah, so let's talk spirits. You and I have been going on a few field trips this month. Yeah, it's part of our project to yeah. visit Northern Ohio distilleries. Um, the Ohio Distillers Guild has launched a distillery trail for the whole state, and that's a little much for us. <laughs> so part of the reason they did that is less than 20 years ago, there were only five distilleries in Ohio, and now there are 75 so the, the um, laws changed to make craft distilleries more possible. And now they can, then they had to change the laws that they could sell on site. Then they had to change the laws that they could have restaurants on site. In a tasting room. I know that that was nothing for right. a while. They couldn't have a tasting room, which how are you going to sell if you can't yeah. taste it? Um, and it's really more, it's safer to have food available to people because then yeah, well, the alcohol. Where are all these restrictions coming? It's just uh, Ohio's very restrictive. I think a lot of it, like, kind of post prohibition. I was going to say prohibition stuff, and until someone comes and complains about it, no one really changes the law, you know. But um, yeah, no. So, like Paris said, in the past decade or so, the the craft distilling dis the craft distilling business in Ohio has really exploded. So. We're going to be visiting. We visited two so far. We're going to try to do at least one a month um, and just kind of get the get the vibe of the place, see what the spirits are like, get the backstory and everything. So, And then we'll share that in posts online and in the podcast. Okay. Yeah. So what is a trail? When you say a trail... What is the what exactly does that mean as like somebody who wants to engage with this? And well, it's really better. It's the distilleries that are grouped in northern Ohio, but mm -hmm. it's really better just to hit probably two at max three in a day because there it is a drive between them mm -hmm. and you do really need to allocate at least an hour, I would say. Yeah, it's kind of like, remember when we were talking about the brewery passport where it's like the gotcha. year, if you wanted to hit all the breweries in a year. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like we're doing that with, they have these, um the, the 
Ohio distillery passports and stuff, but they kind of expand outside of Northeast mm-hmm. Ohio. So we're looking at the ones kind of in our region and seeing how many we can hit in the year. If you decide to do the whole state, you get a certain number of points for each place you hit and you can trade them for T-shirts and mm. um, bottle openers and things like that. Yeah, just like the like you said, the yeah. brewery passport, very similar. So any standouts so far? Anything you're looking forward to? Well, yeah, we went to two uh, distilleries so far, both in Geneva, area um the first one we went to was seven brothers spirits which was really amazing we we got to try at least 14 yeah i was gonna say at least a dozen um of their spirits and they have a lot of of cool stuff going on there we got to go behind the scenes and taste uh some of the aged gin out of the barrel which paris and i both ended up going home with a bottle of that because it was Mm. the best way to sell it it was so good um but it was really cool the distillery tasting room is very modern they just built it i think they two years ago yeah opened in 2022 um so it's a really modern space and they have a lot of cool little like you i mean you go and it's 25 bucks and you can get a sample of their 10 core spirits because they have other spirits that are uh seasonal or limited edition kind of stuff they do but another thing that super sets them out is a lot of their distilling process it uses vacuum distillation so what does that mean do you know what sous viding a steak is no absolutely not okay (laughs) um okay so basically sous viding a steak is when you can vacuum seal a steak and Mm -hmm. it's kind of like it's cooked in hot water which sounds weird. So think about it. If you boiled the steak, uh-huh. it would have no flavor. All the, the the flavor would go in the water. Mm-hmm. With the vacuum, it keeps the delicate flavors in while still cooking it. So it's kind of the same thing that he does with spirits, which is not um, Kevin Sutman. He is a pioneer, and he calls himself that, in this vacuum distillation mm-hmm. process because it is very unique. But the results which me and Paris really could tell in the gins is you get all these different flavors that you don't get from a lot of other gins. Yeah. Mm. Any run of the mill bottle. It's like, what even is, is that because it's so delicate how he cooks it. So it's like the, the difference between boiling a steak and sous viding a steak is kind of how he's making. Yeah. Liquor there. Sounds like an experience you really can't get. Um, a lot anywhere of other else. places, oh. maybe nowhere else. So. Well, no, and I think, and that's another thing I talked to Kevin about, and he was like, I knew when I went into this, I wanted to be able, there's so many great spirits already out there, mm-hmm. so I want to be able to offer things that are unique. So he has like a, what was the, a couple infused vodkas. One was a cinnamon infused vodka. Which and is, espresso, ooh. and um, the Palo Santo infused gin. Yeah, there's smoke, but even like the, the cinnamon infused vodka, we got that, and I was like, I don't know about this. It was so good. <laughs> it is not sweet or syrupy mm-hmm. at all. Um, they put it there, I think, at a Moscow Mule, and it, delicious. Like it's just like really different things that you wouldn't yeah. think about. The cocktail ideas are just like flowing. Right well, now. I think I found my new, <laughs> my absolute favorite cocktail of 2024 so far. It's there. Um, they make a what's it called? A red eye Negroni. So mm-hmm. it's like a Negroni, which is a gin um, based spirit. They use their barrel aged gin, but then they infuse the Campari, which is a um, liqueur that is typically in a Negroni. They infuse it with espresso, so it kind of tastes like coffee. It was Paris, it's very good. It was so yeah. good. You guys are, are making me want to check this out. What's the pricing again on this? The pricing structure for this? Um, I mean, the bottles are typically. It kind of depends. You could probably. I think the cheapest bottle is around twenty four dollars yeah. for like a bottle of vodka. It can go up to like. 60 
it's maybe 70 bucks depending on a limited edition but the best thing is if you go there you can get a sample of all of their 10 base spirits for 25 bucks 25 yeah and then after well also in a similar area we went to you want to talk about the the second oh we went to red eagle distillery which is about maybe a seven minute drive from where we were um it's in an 1885 barn um, that's been renovated and retrofitted with a still in the basement. And um, we tried five spirits. They just have five spirits. Um, one of the most interesting ones they had was the um, maple, and that's what it's called, is maple. And it's really a rum recipe, mm. but instead of using sugar cane, they use uh, maple syrup. It's very so, sweet. Sounds very good. Interesting. And then when they make their brandy and their vodka, they use grapes because they own the winery next door, South River Winery. Mm. So they use grapes. Um, they use the Concord in their vodka, and they use um, a Riesling and Chardonnay for their brandy. So it's a different process, different recipe, if you will. Yeah, but it's uh, yeah another another set of really fun Ohio spirits and what's cool about that was the um the black, black tav black yeah. door tavern black right door next tavern door. is a restaurant next door that mm. paris and i went to eat at and it, it was so good their chef chris delisi had a restaurant down in the warehouse or um down in the um flats a while ago and now he's just coming up with some really dynamite ideas what'd you guys have there i'm trying to think what were those double eggs arancini and the Crab Rangoon deviled eggs. That's what they were. They're Crab Rangoon deviled eggs. Those were delicious. Arancinis, we had um, oh, lettuce wraps. Belly, lettuce wraps. Mm. It, it was all good. It was good, like sharing food, especially like if you go to the distillery and then you kind of have a lot to drink and you need something to mm -hmm. eat. Like that is a really good place to kind of just sit and have a, a dinner right after. And they're very busy. So you, it's best to get a reservation in advance. Well, even, yeah, even just the distillery was really busy. It was very lively in there. Like, you can it's, tell it's the place to be on a Saturday. Mm. It has a very lively vibe. And they have 30 to 40 different bourbons that you can compare to the bourbon that they make. I believe they also have flights of several of the bourbons that they don't make. Yeah, so you could try. Just like if you're into spirits and stuff, it's just a cool place to check yeah. out. Sounds like a good time. You guys are on the road and the f in the near future experiencing more for this uh, list. And how often are we going to get a report out from you guys? At least once a month. Mm -hmm. Or probably closer to two a month. It's going to depend on... The location is of the distilleries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but at least once a month. So these... Um, these stories will be out. Our first uh, story about Seven Brothers will be out by the time this podcast comes out. And then Paris's story about the Red Door will Early be next out. week. Yeah. yeah. So so we're going to keep it moving. Cool. Um, so now Paris is going to tell us a little bit about some exciting new stuff happening in the hospitality industry downtown. Hotel Cleveland, the former Renaissance, um, is getting a makeover, right? They are. They're doing an $80 million makeover. They're introducing two new restaurants. One of them goes into the former Sanssouci space. It's going to be called Maori's, and it's going to be um, lunch, and or lunch and brunch, um, open from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. Um, it's named Maori's because that was the very first building on that site in modern times in 1815. That was the name of the log cabin bar and hotel there. Oh, very cool. Mm -hmm. And then Maker, is that more of a bar concept? or is Maker has a bar as a centerpiece, but it really is a fine dining restaurant. Okay. 
So yeah. it's going to have the centerpiece is an 18 seat bar with a emerald crystal. Yeah, chandelier. it looks beautiful. Yeah, it does. And then they're going to have um, fine dining tables and booths around that area. Interesting. I feel like that Renaissance has been kind of the same for a while. So it's exciting to Since see. Since the 90s. Yeah. 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 And I think I, I think I saw in your story, it's not just going to be obviously just for the hotel guests. It's going to be open to the public and stuff too. They're so. encouraging the public to think of it as a place for happy hour, mm -hmm. for special occasions, or because they're having small plates as well as larger entrees, mm -hmm. even a place to just come and gather um, and maybe even come before one of the games or yeah. a concert because you can just park in their garage and then walk all the way through without going outside. Hmm. Yeah. Between the location and the vibe you're kind of describing, it sounds like it could be, is it, well, I'm, I guess it's a question, is it in the competition of the a marble room space, do you think? I think it's not quite as elevated. They want to gotcha. be a little more, if you can call it casual fine dining. Mm. Like approachable. Oh, yes. Yeah. Hmm. Gotcha, because yeah. Drake was at a marble room recently. I did see him in a marble that was room. Cool. Um, <laughs> Maybe he's going to come here I wonder next. if he got the surf and turf sushi roll. That's the best <laughs> thing there. It, it is my favorite thing there. Um, I did notice you said, I forget which one of the restaurants is going to have a lot of Cleveland influence in the, in yeah, the dishes. Yeah, especially Maker. They're going to have, um, well, actually, Maori's is having Cleveland influence in the dishes where they're having pierogies, corned beef benedict, um, shard Ooh. maple syrup. And then Maker is also, they're striving to have a lot of local providers. They're going to use the chef's garden. They're going to use local coffee roasters and as much local as they can. I mean, that's the way to, it seems like now in, in the Cleveland food scene, it's like that's the only way to go. The norm, yeah. I mean, that's how people care about that, especially not just what they're eating, the finished result, but how it's made and stuff. So especially right. paying for it. And then even their decor, they have some really interesting lamps on the end of the bar that have um, chipping scenes from Cleveland. Oh, um, they're going to have some memorabilia. So they're kind of curating a Cleveland-esque feel to the place. Yeah. yeah, which is super exciting. And this is opening when? Um, with the, the plan is to open in late spring, I believe. Late spring. Well, when I was there, they were still like putting down the floors mm -hmm. and the chandelier hadn't been hung. And there were so many things. It's hard to imagine they're going to be open so soon, but it's very exciting. But that's what's also like it's with the restaurant industry is one thing opening a business it's so different but then like i feel like a hotel especially a hotel restaurant it's mm -hmm. like a whole other beast of yeah. right because they're bringing everything together yeah yeah i was gonna ask are they, so are they all gonna open at once like the hotels and the restaurants obviously i know they're kind of uh yeah they're gonna get it all okay. it's all kind of getting ready for a grand opening gotcha because i was just wondering um since it, it kind of seems like you could offer the public to come to the restaurant without necessarily visiting the hotel yeah. there would be any possibility of like a i don't know a, a delayed or partial opening for the restaurants in specific but it sounds like they kind of want to do it all at once yeah i yeah. hope they're on time i'm excited <laughs> about checking them out yeah mm -hmm. it's gonna be nice too because i was thinking about kind of in the public square area like we have mm -hmm. the um fahrenheit obviously the the newer location mm -hmm. but it's like they kind of need more they do need more energy. Stuff. More like culinary if you, energy. Yeah. If you go to dinner at Fahrenheit and you want to get a drink after and you don't want to go to the casino, like mm -hmm. that would be a nice option. Right. Yeah. Right. For sure. And now we have Mark Bona here and he's going to talk to us a little bit about a pretty exciting, pretty big beer festival coming up in Cleveland. Hi, Mark. Hey. 
Yeah. So winter warmer, what's what's the lowdown? This is a big one. If I had to choose uh, the best beer fest in all of Cleveland every year, this is it. This gets my vote every year. It is incredible. It is sold out. I want to say at least five of the last six years. Uh, it just goes like gangbusters. It's really cool. There's going to be sixty breweries that offer that offer about. I would say on average anywhere from two to four different beers at this event. Wow. Hmm. So you you pay one fee. It's a, a typical beer fest in that sense where you pay one fee and you get sampling tickets and you get a, gl- a glass you can keep. And and it's pretty neat. But it, it's neat for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's a fundraiser for the Ohio Craft Brewers Association. Now, this is a nonprofit lobbying association, a lobbying group based in Columbus for the independent craft breweries throughout the state. This is a big deal because they're the ones who are hearing what the members are saying and they go to to the state house and they lobby on their behalf. But the other thing is this, most beer fest Brewers are very busy people. They don't get a chance to go to beer fest because on their rare days off, they they don't yeah, want to. That's yeah. the last they, thing you're thinking of. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. So, but this one, they they go out. They that really draws them. For me, it's one stop shopping. I'm easily going to run into twenty to thirty different brewers that who I know and some other people affiliated with the um, w- with the industry, and and that just makes it fun because these are normal regular people and they like talking to fans to say. Hey, I love this, but you know, I was wondering if are you going to make this again? And mm-hmm. and they, it's just a good meet and mingle thing. So Winter Warmer Fest coming up Saturday, uh, March second. It's a good one. And where is that located in Cleveland? Yeah, it's at Windows on the River, right down in the flats. Yeah, it's a cool thing. And that's the other thing. You you pray for good weather because this is. uh, I'm glad you meant you asked me that because (laughs) I I just realized it's an indoor outdoor event. So it's mostly indoors in about four different giant rooms within the venue. But outside they have what's called cask ales. These are special ales that are infused with things. So you can have maybe a somebody makes a really good imperial stout. They may infuse it with peanut butter and coconut and some other things. Ooh. There's just crazy flavors the out experimental, there. Experimental, yeah. Right. And so it it's that makes it a lot of fun because brewers are very creative, especially American brewers. And the beer drinkers, craft beer heads, also are willing to try all that stuff as well. Well, yeah, and it's the best place to do it because you don't have to commit to even being at a at, at a brewery sometimes and you make your flight. It's like, okay, which four am I going to pick? But yeah. when you're there, you get to try them all. That's exactly right. Thank you for listening or watching Dine, Drink, Cleave, the podcast. You can like, follow, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Dine, Drink, Cleave, and subscribe to our newsletter at cleveland.com slash newsletters. Thanks.